coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go! All right, back in the can for another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void. And I love these episodes because the one and only Cola from Blue Skies Magazine sets me up with the coolest fucking people to talk to. So, with no further ado, who the fuck are you and what do you do? Hey, Dean. Uh, my name is uh, William Lux. Um, a lot of people also know me as Big Daddy Wizzle, I guess. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'm uh, just a really avid fun jumper. I fly a lot of video and uh, do a lot of one on one free fly coaching when I can. Cool. But, uh, Bi- you know, the Big Daddy Wizzle, we're definitely going to have to come back to. This, this I want to hear about. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Well, now, so yeah. you, you say you're an avid fun jumper and you do a lot of coaching and stuff. Are you working in the sport or do you have a real job as well? Well, I have a real job. Um, I'm a, I am lay pipe for a living pretty much. I'm a, a union pipe fitter. I'm a craftsman. I mainly just weld for like heavy American industry. Okay. But uh, So I work like half the year and skydive half the year. That's what I try to – that's the balance I try to obtain, you know? Well, nice, nice. Well, I, I like the fact that your job title is you lay pipe. <laughs> it's pretty, that's must... what everybody wants to say. I just – I try to explain to them what my actual job is, but everyone just says I lay pipe. You lay pipe. Hey, fair enough, man. I mean, it, it sounds kind of cool either way you sound it out. I like it. <laughs> so, um, so you kind of what you split the uh, – w- well, where are you in the United States? So, well, I really don't have an actual home. Like, uh, I'm from Florida and I'm out of a, like a union hall in Florida, but right now I'm currently in, uh, Garrettsville, Ohio. I live at Cleveland skydiving center actually. Okay. Which is a phenomenal drop zone. But it's definitely a, a seasonal drop zone. So are most of the places that you jump seasonal? Um, not necessarily. So I, so when the winter comes, I mean, sometimes I end up working in the winter and then, um, but my jobs don't last like terribly long. Usually they're a few months at a time, but I, I tend to make it down South. Oh, nice. Um, I go to Z Hills every winter, most of the time, just because I grew up around there. It's my home drop zone, like my original home drop zone. And my parents only live like a half an hour away. Oh, nice. So, yeah. So I, so how, how did the how did the whole sport well not necessarily just the sport how did anything extreme start for you because uh, uh cola uh, cola said you've got some good stories so i assume they started young yeah you know i was uh i was a pretty bad child actually i was out of my own pretty early and uh, i was really reckless you know but um it all pretty much started with motorcycle racing i used to I, I used to be stupid, man. I used to just run from the cops, like, just for fun all the time on my sport bikes and stuff with my buddies. And, you know, it was just, it was kind of just a game to see how much we can get away with it, you know? And this was in Florida? This was all in Florida, yeah. Back in my early teens, like 18, 19, 20. Uh, you know, I ended up getting a few motorcycle accidents. I've been hurt a bunch, and then that was before skydiving. So, honestly, it's a good thing I did that first and survived because. When I got into skydiving, it just it's a lot safer than the things I used to do, you know sure. what I mean? Sure. Now, I, I got to ask, because Florida is becoming world famous for some pretty crazy shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> so just, you know, running from the cops on motorcycles seems to be pretty normal for Florida. <laughs> it's, it's very normal for Florida. <laughs> I mean, fucking There's hell. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it's funny because you you see everything that's going on, uh, and Florida always tops the news for some of the craziest shit I've ever seen in the United States, like bath salts and zombies and shit. Yeah, man, like, from, fucking remember from, that news line? Oh yeah, the zombie attacks <sighs> and the fucking then the alligators. What was that? They had the one seventeen foot alligator walking across the green at some golf course, yeah. and just the yeah. Did you- did you hear about that kid who uh, they they took their kid to Disney World and their kid got eaten by an alligator at Disney World? I man. mean, how fucked is that? That's how, so fucked. How fucked is the that? Happiest place huh? I mean, you take your kid to the greatest place on earth, one of which is is don't they still have the island that's the pirate island like with Peter Pan and all that stuff? Yeah, I think they do. So the, a kid actually got eaten by a fucking alligator where Peter Pan lives. <laughs> It's so yeah, it's just so fucked up, man. You yeah, like the fact that you can take your kid to the happiest place on earth and he gets eaten by a gator is pretty fucked up. Right. But that's Florida. 
you know? I mean, that's in, that's seriously intense. I mean, one has to wonder if they didn't think, you know, maybe we should make sure there aren't any fucking gators in this water. <laughs> Holy yeah, shit. Yeah, just snatch your kid right right out of the lake, man. Wow. I mean, that's intense. Well, there was the one uh, YouTube video that was going around for a while, or it may, probably may, uh Ended up on Facebook as well of the the little girl sitting on the railing and the sea lion snatches her off the railing and yanks her <laughs> into the water. So imagine yeah. that was that was just a sea lion with a fucked up sense of humor. But that gator was out for food. That gator was hungry, man. <sighs> Speaking of like gators, I actually used to ride motorcycles with this guy, and uh, I just remember I was at my union hall one morning, like drinking coffee, reading the newspaper, and uh, it said like man got like snatched by an alligator while running from the cops. And it just so happened that I knew this guy, but like they knocked on his door and he ran out the back door and threw the swamp in his backyard and a gator snatched him and took his arm off. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm not even joking, man. You can't make this shit up. No, no, you can't. I mean, it's funny because with all the craziness that goes on that I've heard of over the years in Florida, skydiving never even makes the radar. Like that's it never makes the radar. That's well. some pedestrian normal shit in Florida. Like that's nothing even remotely crazy. Yeah, dude, that's that's so, yeah. That skydiving is soft core. You know, they only like to bug us when there's like a fatality or a serious accident. You sure, know? sure. Well, now, so you got started on the motorcycles and doing a bunch of crazy shit that way and running from the cops. How much time did you end up spending in jail for shit like that? You know, it's so funny. Like, I've just never been caught. You know, I've always, uh, I'm, I, luckily, I mean, like, I've been around people that have been caught, that have wrecked and smashed. But uh, I've, unfor- like, crazy enough, fortunately, I've always been uh, lucky enough to get away. Wow. And it was just, I mean, it's it's silly, you know. It's like you do a wheelie and run away or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I was just talking about this the other day. I made it to 30, and I've never been to jail, which is uh, – <laughs> That's good. Which is pretty cool. That's good. Yeah, I think I'm. What did I? I made it to. Uh, I want to say I want to made. I made it to 27 before I ended up getting arrested, and then it was <laughs> some goofy shit. But uh, um, that was even a decent run because I was not exactly the smartest kid either. <laughs> so yeah, I was like. By far not the smartest kid. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Now, you, you did the motorcycle stuff, and then how did you end up finding your way into skydiving? I mean, granted, you were in Florida, which is, you know, extremely popular for jumping. A hot spot. You know, it's funny because, like, I grew up next to Z Hills, and, like, it took me so many years to realize that I was, like, growing up near, like, this big, famous drop zone. But really, it wasn't until I was, like, 24 years old, um, and it was one of our best friends' 21st birthday, and uh, so a group of us went to go skydiving, and uh, it turned out that my first tandem instructor was such an asshole that I fucking I, – I, I didn't even think twice. I wasn't going to get into skydiving. Right? It wasn't even in my mind. He was such a dickhead. Really? And, uh, yeah, he was just very – he ended up getting fired shortly after that, actually. Uh, not because of me, but because other people said the same thing, you know? But uh, the only reason why I even um, got into it was because they were offering a $99 second tandem. And I was like, whatever, you know, I'll, I'll go do that tandem and, uh, you know, we'll run with it. Sure. And uh, so I went and did that. And the next tandem instructor I had was like, what well, he's to this day, he's one of my best friends. Like, I mean, he's the first person I see every time I go to Florida. Nice. But uh, he um, and it was just like a regular tandem. And uh, it just so happened that this wingsuiter, um, Joseph Likerman's his name. And uh, he did a flyby unannounced. Um, and uh, i mean to me it was the coolest fucking thing ever but like my tandem instructor had to take the toggles out of my hand and uh he he like had to avoid like he thought he had to avoid it but really we were safe he just didn't know it sure you know but we we got to the ground my tandem instructor was super pissed wanted to fight the guy and i'm just like this shit's badass like i'm just i definitely want to sign up for this aff course now like yeah this is fun (laughs) like i don't need to run from the fucking cops anymore these guys have got it all going on (laughs) these guys have all going on it just so happened that like during my af like i was always going through aff too it was uh scott callantine was hosted a boogie called flock and doc it was like the 2014 flock and doc and that so like i was an aff student sitting in the z hills bar you know just like watching all this tomfoolery going on and i just was like man these are my people for sure, sure. you know like i definitely pursue this like they were fucking partying so hard now <laughs> what uh, what year would this have been 
This was 2014. Okay. Uh, Flock and Dock 2014. And, uh, you know, it's a bunch of wingsuiters. Like, people – I didn't have any friends then. You know, I was just watching all the shit going on. Sure. But uh, – Oh well, dude. It was definitely a really cool time. A drop zone at fucking when when the the boogie and the party is on is a great place to be a fly on the wall. You don't have to be in the party to have a fucking blast. Dude, that's right, man. I was just drinking beer watching. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's all you need to do, man. It is a stage show that's just, you know, never ending running in front of you for as long as the boogie's going on. <laughs> now, I wanted to ask, uh, um, uh, you're probably one of the first people I've actually talked to that had a negative experience with their first jump because of the instructor. What was this guy's problem? Crazy? You know, I don't really know, you know, and uh, I don't even really remember the guy that much, but he just like, it just seemed like he was one of those instructors that were burnt out. You know how it is. Sure. Like some people, they try to pursue a life in skydiving and they re- they realize that like all, you know, it's not really a a hobby anymore it's not fun anymore so you know they just day on and day on after day they just throw drugs and they you know end up hating their life ultimately but sure he was you know he didn't have his smile on that day for sure he was uh he was definitely an asshole and the sport doesn't really need that you know no it doesn't well you know i've actually (laughs) i've talked about it before on the podcast there were a few times um in my career when i was you know chucking drogues all the time that the jumps were more for the staff than for the students um for opposite reasons we were having so goddamn much fun doing what we did that the student was just kind of uh, an afterthought instead of the focus. Right. Uh, and I right. look back on those times and wonder how many students I sent away thinking eh, that would have been fun if my instructor had been this or that or the other. And I always felt bad about it. You know, I, I don't think yeah. I ever showed up to work and was a dick to my students, but I was certainly not attentive uh, through a few of those times. And I'm really glad I got past that because obviously we want lots more skydivers to come play and you almost didn't become a skydiver because of one experience. Yeah, exactly. Like he was, I just remember he let me, uh, he gave me the toggles, you know, like here, this is how you do a right turn and a left turn. And I was just barely hit the toggle because I was a nervous, you know, a little nervous Nelly. And uh, he just took the toggles on me. He's like, just give them to me. You know, like, you don't get it. (laughs) Jesus Christ. And he probably, he probably wanted to bury a toggle so he could make it to the next load. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Like in hindsight, like looking back on it, you know, like with my experience now, I'm like that's probably what it was. Sure, you know, sure. Well, and I get it. He has a bad day. So you you finish that second jump and you watch your tandem instructor ready to brawl with a wingsuiter and decide this shit is for me. So I kind of, yeah. I think I've got your theme. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm starting to see a pattern here. And then you, you start going through AFF during this uh, boogie. But when did you know you were just fucking hooked? You know, honestly, it it was a struggle. Uh, I was just cha- I was just getting into my career. I am now, so I was pretty rock bottom. It took me it took me a solid like seven months to finish my AFF. You know, sure. And uh, but after like. The second or third AFF jump, it was just like the release at the end of the jump was just so intense sure. that you know, I, like I, I just knew that that was for me, you know. And uh, I was also looking for a change of pace. And by that time, I've been in like four motorcycle accidents, you know. So yeah. I, I wanted something else that was more sustainable. Sure. And uh, that I mean, as soon as I started hanging out with the people at the drop zone, like I like for the first time in my life, I actually felt like I was at home, you know. Awesome. And uh, I that that's really what got me hooked was the people more than anything, you know, because you could jump for sixty seconds, but you'll hang out with those people for the rest of your life, dude. Oh no doubt. Well, and I think that's that's been the biggest theme throughout the entire podcast is everybody always comes back to the fact that it's the community and the skydivers that draw it. Um, I was a bit like you and that I was quite nervous getting into the sport. Like I had a, a, um, a spot on the highway that I could turn around at and go home without jumping and feel good about myself. But if I drove past <laughs> that spot, I had to go to the drop zone because you know, yeah. it's just one of those things. Those nerves that build up and build up and build up. And of course you land from that jump and you feel like a fucking million dollars, but it, right. it, yeah. it seems to me, and I don't know if it was for you, but my memory seemed to be so short um, that, you know, only a week would go by and I'd go out to make another jump and forget how amazing that felt and would wonder why the fuck I was going back to the drop zone. But I had started making those friendships and now I'm like, I like these people. I don't want them to think I'm a fucking pussy. 
Yeah, I know, right? Right. You don't want to be a fucking pussy, dude. Exactly, which is that whole fucking terrible toxic male bullshit they're all talking about. <laughs> totally that ego guilty. Shit. Yeah, totally fucking guilty of that shit. Uh, but then oh, eventually, shit. of course, I'm... you get past that and realize you actually are learning what you're doing, and then the community is there even more. So it just becomes amazing. Yeah. And you'll realize that most people don't. Like at the end of the day, they don't give a shit what you have or what you do or what you can do. Sure. You know what I mean? Like as long as you're having fun, that's all that really matters. Sure. Well, and when you first started out, I, I think uh, you just assume you're the only person that's nervous or the only person that gets scared. And then, of course, you get a few years under your belt and realize every single person on the drop zone has shit their pants at least once in the sport. Oh, hell yeah. I still get scared sometimes. Damn you know? right. It's, it's a survival instinct. I mean, come on. What we do is kind of crazy. You know, it's it's especially, and I don't know, we'll, we'll get to this too, but lately people have had so much downtime uh, because of the lockdowns and everything that there's a lot of people super uncurrent. And when I get uncurrent, I get nervous. Same. Like if I get on current, like I work when I work like my real job, you know, I take I'll work seven days, 12 hours a day, seven days a week for like two, three months at a time sometimes, you know, so like I'll go I'll go back to skydiving right away after that. But like those first few jumps are always nerve wracking. Sure. You know? I got to go land a sub 100 and you know, I might have to land it off off, you know, off the DZ somewhere. <laughs> right. Well, now, you know, so. Yeah. You're doing these these contract jobs that have you away for a couple of months and back. So it sounds like it's kind of the perfect job to have if you want to be able to bounce around and do a bunch of skydiving. Yeah, that's it's pretty much what I love about my real job is that it's got me like exposed to so many drop zones mm. and uh, I meet so many people. It's like I have I can't go to one boogie where I don't know somebody, you know. Isn't that so awesome? it's, Yeah, it's the shit, man. Like I got the I got the coolest friends in the world, man. <laughs> yeah, for uh, sure. For sure. That list keeps getting bigger, you know. Just like this weekend, I freaking met so many people, you know, that like I've I've seen on Facebook over the years, but, you know, now I'm talking with them and hanging out with them. Right. Now, so we might as well get into it. You just went to an event. Um, which, which, which boogie was it? Well, it's called – it was Shredfest Volume 1 is what they called it at Cleveland Skydiving Center. Okay. And uh, it was just, I mean, obviously, as you know, like every with COVID, like drop zones have been hurting. There hasn't been many events. So, I mean, there's, we had a really big turnout because people were just like, they've been bottled up and they want to go do something. So we actually had a huge turnout of like some amazing talent. Nice. Some serious wingsuiting, uh, wingsuit talent and some canopy pilots that are just out of this world, you know? How was, uh, how did the drop zone handle the, the uh, precautions for COVID? <laughs> Well, they did a really good job. They actually got uh, so we had a cl- we have a clubhouse of bathrooms and stuff, but they actually rented this really nice like like tr- uh, semi truck trailer that uh, has like showers and bathrooms in it, and they're really nice actually. They weren't like shitty ones. Mm. Uh, they're actually like marble freaking countertops and oh, wow. shit. Yeah, they uh, they did that. We were, you know, we were trying to maintain social distance as best we could, you know, so, <laughs> as much as you can with like three hundred people. Right, right. Well, so I I've not been to any events since all this came down, and and I kind of just you know I'm doing more work than anything else. But I always had this funny mental image of any of the events that are going on now that it's just three hundred naked people with masks on. Oh, it's crazy. That's kind of what I picture is that there's a whole lot of drinking and a whole bunch of other substances, but everybody's got their masks on, but they're swapping everything else they possibly can. Right. (laughs) It's like going to the wind tunnel, you know, it's just a tube full of spit and sweat. Yeah, man. I mean, (laughs) you're just sweating together all day, sitting on an airplane together. You know, it's really hard to get away from it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, you're younger than me, so you probably wouldn't remember, but uh, I grew up in the age when AIDS was just really hitting. And so every time everybody was always like, fuck, I don't want to get that test. I'm nervous. I did this or that. And before they really knew what was fucking going on. And so everybody was freaked the fuck out. And I kind of imagine that's gotta be what you're, you're walking away from a big event like that going, fuck man, I don't want to go get tested. (laughs) You you know, (laughs) for sure. And it's, for me, I mean, it's not that I, uh, you know, like I do respect the fact that we have to be cautious for sure. sure. Uh, it's like for my normal job, like I work these big construction sites with thousands of people. So mm-hmm. it's like as much as I want to worry, it's like it's so futile for me to for me to worry that hard because like I'm going to be exposed to 
a multitude of people, whether it's at the drop zone or, you know, whether it's at my job trying to make a few bucks, you know. Sure. Well, I think it's just a matter of trying to be as cautious as possible, right? Yeah, you have to be as cautious as possible. I I definitely wash my hands a lot. You know, I I take a lot of showers. Sure, (laughs) sure. Shower a couple times a day, you know. Now, how do you feel about uh, um, the USPA announcing uh, canceling the Nationals? Yeah, you know, I'm not too stoked about that. You know, I'm actually, I, I'm really big into canopy piling, and like this year was my year to try to like get ready for competition, yeah. and I, uh, you know, all that kind of fell through with this. So, I mean, I'm not particularly happy about it, mainly because, you know, it's 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 such a manageable event compared to other the you know the, the caliber of other events are actually going on. Yeah. I feel like it's more just like the USP, like they, you know, like people just don't want to try to find uh, a solution, you know? Sure. But uh, <laughs> I mean, my opinion was, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was saying it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like we can minimize the risk some more like 2020, you know, it's kind of already a, kind of already a wash up dude. So we can try again next year. Yeah, man. I mean, it's well, fuck. Did you see that uh, NASA just announced that there's two asteroids on the way to possibly hitting the planet right before election day? <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding? No, I'm not kidding. Oh my god! No, I live under a rock. I don't actually watch the news at all because I'm just scared to. Well, you might be under a rock if these fucking asteroids hit. <laughs> Dude, it's insane. Oh, yeah. Actually, as a matter of fact, after this podcast, I will definitely uh, go check that out. <laughs> Dude, man, 2020 is just the most bizarre goddamn year. You know, I'll tell you what. When it comes to the nationals, I wasn't sure which way I felt about it because felt about it because. Um, drop zones are operating being as safe as they can, but ultimately my opinion was that I thought it was a good thing that they canceled it for basically one main reason. Skydivers and skydiving already fight to keep their, our reputation up. I mean, the, you know, the general public already thinks we're fucking crazy and we're always oh, yeah. fighting airports for access and all this kind of stuff. And so if the USPA endorsed a big event, that's just one more thing that makes us look shitty. So I think that was the the linchpin for me was, okay, yeah, they could probably do it safely and this and that. But when the drop zone decided they didn't want to host it uh, and then they USPA decided to back that and cancel, I'm like, you know, even if for nothing else, just for the image of skydivers, that's probably a good idea. Yeah, you know, Dean, I never really uh, thought about it like that, but now that you say that, I can actually, uh, I can get on board with that too. Yeah, you I know? Mean, and I see like, it both ways. I just think we we already I do t- we're already fighting an uphill battle and have been for so long. I mean, like look at the Sturgis event that just went on. You know, now they're they're tracking cases all over for Sturgis. Now, granted, Sturgis and the Nationals are two completely different events. <laughs> But, oh, sure. you know, that didn't exactly do anything to make the, the Sturgis crowd look any better, <laughs> you know. So <laughs> so in that respect, I think it was a good thing that they did that, in my opinion. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, one of our main supporters, you know what I mean? Like, they're more – they generate a lot more publicity than just a single drop zone, you know. Like, if, they, if they're if they saying that we shouldn't host it, it I think it would make us look better. Because you're a lot of – a lot of people and a lot of entities, like you either love skydivers or you hate skydivers, yes. you know? Yeah, or they just don't, <laughs> or they're not even on your radar, you know? So most people don't really think too much about skydiving at all. So whatever they hear on the news is what they're going to believe. And if they hear, you know, of course they hear about a fatality. And if that's all they know, they're like, oh, fucking crazy skydiver. Somebody went and got himself killed. Or right. if it's, you know, somebody announcing they had this big event and now a shitload of people are sick, it's going to be, oh, dumb sky. Well, they jump out of airplanes. Of course, they're not going to be careful. You know, so, right. you know, so uh, in that respect, I think it was a good idea. It is a super big bummer, though, for all the people like yourself that were, you know, ramping up for being able to go out and compete. You know, but at the end of the day, it's not going to – I mean, it's a small loss in comparison to everything else that the sport had – every other hit that the sport had to take, you know. Right. Like, we, we've already – you know, we've already had a lot of losses this year in terms of, like, revenue and drop zones being open and boogies going on. Like, what's another little event? You know, FLCPA is just a speck on the radar, you yeah. know. It's, yeah, for sure. In fact, I just saw um, one of the shittiest things um, come across my feed on Facebook was, um, I believe it's Skydive Talpo is closing their doors. 
Oh, really? And that fucking floors me because Talpo, yeah. it's a world famous drop zone. That that place has been going balls to the walls forever. And they had a picture of the the um, the Maori design pink uh, wing of the Pac seven fifty with an announcement saying they're closing their doors due to COVID. That is so sad to hear, man. Yeah, I like, mean, well, and I, that might be one of many losses, you know. Oh, I think it's going to be one of many, and that's a big drop zone, though. So that makes me nervous for the small drop zones because at the end of the day, most drop zones are kind of hand to mouth. It's you know, unless you've got a big military contract, I can't imagine that there's a huge profit margin at most drop zones. Right. Some of these drop zones have expensive turbines just sitting there. You oh, know, yeah. they are not cheap. No, they're not. Cheap. No, not at all. I mean, imagine you signed a year lease on a caravan or something with minimum hours, you know, just in time for the year to kick off. And now it's parked. Now it's parked, not making any money, you know. I mean, it's, fuck me. It's sad. Yeah, that's hardcore. That's hardcore. You know, yeah. and of course, um, a lot of skydivers were skydivers. That's it. You know, I mean. For me, I'm a, a longtime pilot, but I'm primarily a jump pilot. So for me to go out and get a different kind of flying job is difficult. But if you're just a skydiver, if, you know, you started jumping very young and that's your primary job, man, you're not qualified to do a whole lot else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I completely agree with you. You know, that's uh, and, and that's where it's going to. You know, the sport's going to evolve around that, you know, although, you know, things may change and drop zones may close. You know, they, they're going to have to adapt and possibly start traveling and moving down the road to try to go to a different drop zone, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all about getting comfortable. Well, that was always the huge benefit when I was uh, jumping full time was you, you always had a job. There was a drop zone somewhere in the world open and looking you know, always, you know, I went from always first tandem instructor. Oh yeah, man. It was great. I, I decided all of, uh, over the course of about a week when I was jumping at Skydance in Davis, California, that I was going to go. Love the drop zone. Yeah, man. It's a fucking great drop zone, man. I flew for Ray Farrell yeah. and that's the first drop zone I ever flew a turbine at with the pack 750. Oh really? Yeah. And I flew that, that hideous blue and yellow one, that blue, yellow, and red. Yeah. Which became my favorite aircraft on the planet. It was <laughs> ugly before I flew it. And then it was gorgeous. I love the pack actually. I think the pack is a good airplane. You know, for from a pilot's perspective uh, and from a tandem instructor's perspective, it was fantastic. I know that fun jumpers don't necessarily care for it all that much, but I was always a working skydiver. So for me, it was an right. amazing aircraft. And I'm not a lazy skydiver. Like I'm six foot four, you know. Oh, so Jesus. like, yeah, it's it is kind of a like a short fuselage, or you know, like not very no tall person friendly. But at the end of the day, like it doesn't really bother me, you know. The plane's quick. Yeah, it gets the altitude, and that's all I need. <laughs> yeah, man. No, it does the job, and it does it well. But yeah, I flew for I flew for Ray, and within about a week, I had decided uh, um, because I was talking to a buddy that I ended up going and working six seven months in Fiji. You know, because there was a That's drop. cool. Yeah, you know, there was a drop zone there I could go work at. So I guess I'm I'm disappointed that a lot of the people that are coming up in the sport now might not have that kind of opportunity for a while because the whole world is so upside down right now. Yeah, there's a large recovery curve that's going to have to happen. Yeah. You know, losses are going to happen, but we'll we'll come back. Oh you yeah, know. yeah. But yeah speaking yeah. of skydance, I remember my first time at skydance. Oh yeah, I. Uh, I was doing a swoop course with uh, I was doing a swoop course with TJ Langren, my best friend and I were, and uh, that just had, that's where he was based out about the time. Sure. I just remember I didn't know like I did not get a drop zone briefing when I got there. I just went straight <laughs> to jumping, and uh, <laughs> I uh, I was when I was under canopy. Um, I was hearing like it sat, what sounded like my canopy was like tearing every couple of seconds. I didn't realize there was a shooting range right next door. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> And the echoing from the gunshot would like echo off the my canopy. And it just sounded horrible, and it like freaked me out, man. Yep, yep, yeah. <laughs> that shooting range is right there, and then depending on the time of the year, there was a nesting hawk or a falcon. I don't know which one it was uh, that <laughs> hated parachutes. And are you serious? Oh yeah, and that fucking oh, bird trashed a lot of parachutes. It would attack skydivers. Which it would just attack big parachutes. Oh yeah, it would just go and shred these poor canopies in flight, of course, and that's as they're oh, coming God. over the top of a goddamn gun range. <laughs> you know, yeah, that drop zone's not for the weak and the meek, man. No, 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 man. It was a, it was a pretty intense place. It was a great place though, because as as far as medium sized drop zones goes, it got plenty of business, but it had a great core of fun jumpers uh, that oh, yeah. were always there and always having a good time which was amazing 
I didn't get to spend much time there, but I really loved the people that were there that short time I was there. Yeah, it was good stuff. It was. So now, how'd you uh, how'd you get into the canopy stuff? Well, honestly, um, I was like one of those really stupid low jump number uh, canopy pilots, you know, like uh, skydivers in general. Like uh, after coming from motorcycles and shit, um, ultimately, like I stopped riding a lot once I got into skydiving because skydiving just demanded more attention from me. Sure. And canopy time was always my toy time, right? So like my motorcycles were always my toy. So like when I would be skydiving, like I've always loved canopy ride the best, you know, the canopy time was my favorite time because it was like I was operating something. Sure. And, uh, so about 200 jumps is probably when I started just doing stupid hook turns and shit. Like, you know, that typical, <laughs> You're one of those guys. That typical guy, well, you know, <laughs> from the outside in, like if you didn't know who I was, you would just think I'm a reckless idiot. Sure. But, uh, but like, you know, on, in, in my head, I thought I had everything under control. And, you know, knock on wood, um, I made it this far, you know, and uh, I'm very thankful and uh, I'm very lucky that I've made it this far. Well, you know, I mean, it sounds like you were you were uh, a little on the reckless side, but with a bit of a purpose, and you were smart enough to do canopy courses. I mean, so you weren't that reckless if you're taking courses with TJ, right? You know, and that's that's what I try to preach to everybody. Like, if you want to be stupid and something like canopy piloting, you you need you need to get coaching, and coaching is the only reason why I still have my femurs. I assume, yeah, like. Uh, you know, I was Aaron Stokem uh, was one of my early campy instru- instructors. You know, and he was uh, he was coaching me from the beginning, uh, and uh, he was definitely uh, like a good start. Like he got me on the right path, and I, ever since like my early jump numbers, you know, I've been avid about canopy coaching. So it's well, I mean, honestly, nowadays, I think it should be a prerequisite for anybody um, because, yeah. you know, it's still for as long as I've been in the sport, the biggest killer has been a perfectly, you know, working canopy. That's right. A third of our deaths is pretty much from that. You know, yeah. low turn shit. Like oh, it's things insane. that don't need to happen. Well, I mean, I broke my tailbone being an idiot just because I hadn't jumped my own my own canopy for probably six months and hooked it uh, six months later like I'd been on it the day before, and I just wasn't feeling the canopy out. And, you know, so, and this is when I had thousands of jumps. So nobody, uh-huh. you know, nobody's immune. The canopy courses are nobody's an amazing immune. idea. For me, I was lucky in that um, I had no problem with the free fall because I was a tunnel rat when I got started. Uh, but the, <laughs> the canopy side of things, I was always super super cautious. So I didn't step onto what was considered a high performance canopy until I had over a thousand jumps. See, I can respect that. You know, you see a lot of these guys who are like, I wish I would have made the same decision you made. Like I didn't, I didn't see the tunnel until I had 700 jumps Mm. and like, I was a trash free flyer, you know, and, uh, but it's like, amazes me. It's like trying to defeat 700 jumps with a bad habits, you know? (laughs) Right. But then you see these guys who like start early and they become very proficient free flyers and then they, they're more valuable in the sport and they can take their time and not necessarily need to rush canopy piloting because, sure. you know, they have other avenues to approach like uh, coaching or organizing, right? You can, you can get better very methodically and safely versus you know the reckless path that i chose <laughs> sure well and and i was only lucky in that i started working so early in the sport that the whole um craze to downsize and get the faster high performance canopies didn't matter so much to me because i was too busy landing to get the tandem landing shot to run in to grab my rig to do it again and then edit all the videos at the end of the day so i wasn't thinking about set up for this hook turn or that tur- hook turn and it wasn't fun jump to fun jump for me it was work jump to work jump so yeah. Yeah, it which... took, you know, it took a lot longer. The only reason that I ever downsized at all was because I started shooting tandem videos, flying a PD one ninety, and I was having to <laughs> work to beat the tandem to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, I feel like that was like that's just along the lines of just enjoying the ride. You know, sure. like like skydiving doesn't need to be. There's no mission that you need to obtain. Sure. To you know, there's, there's no end goal, right? Like it just never ends. Right. So rushing to get somewhere is in my opinion, you know, look back and looking back on it. Like, I feel like that's not the right way to approach skydiving. I think you should just enjoy the ride, not feel like any skydive was a waste of time or a waste of money. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, and 
Just have fun. For me, the biggest freedom came when I finally realized I'm not going to be big in competition. I'm never going to be the best canopy pilot. I'm never going to be the best free flyer. I'm never going to be the best yep. anything in skydiving. And that took this huge amount of pressure to perform. I'm happy to be the guy that fucks up the skydive as long as everybody had fun. Right. Same here, man. I'm just a beer line swooper at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to win competitions. Like, I mean, for a swoop comp for me, I just want to go and just to swoop with other people. You know, sure. I could score all zeros and I'll have fun. <laughs> oh, sure. Some of the some of the, the funnest canopy times that I had was we used to have, I think it was Tuesday morning swoop club at Skydive Cross Keys. And everyone would wake oh. up with the sun and hop in the 206 and we would jump our asses off until uh, open a business at, I think, like 10 yep. or 11 o'clock. So everybody's going up and swooping the pond and you'd get a crowd that would come out. Like people would come out on their days off and start day drinking to watch us, you know, frapping in or trying to go dirt, water, dirt across the pond. And it was... Was a great fun way to learn but that was like the apex of my swooping career you know you, you know it's funny that you mentioned that like uh, i can't tell you how many times i've done tuesday swoop club at cross keys <laughs> awesome I it's love awesome cross right keys. i love cross keys Oh, dude, I did cross keys uh, end of 03 through to uh, beginning of 06, and it was some of the most amazing times i kind of remember <laughs> That's the old John Eddowes, Rob Stanley days. Isn't it? Yeah, man. So I was working with Stanley, and and uh, Eddowes was running the place. Dave Pancake still the manager. Range okay. was you know still there, and and uh, um, all the usual suspects. Danny Coon was shooting video. Steve Werner. I mean, just this amazing crew of people. Um, Kim Worthington was doing AFF. Stephen Jackson doing tandems, and it we were all living on the drop zone as well. So it was all these insanely talented talented skydivers at the party phase of their lives at the biggest party drop zone on the planet. And fuck me. Dude, I hear so many good stories about cross keys, man. I, I've spent a few seasons ever since I found, I found cross keys on a random Tuesday one time. Uh, and uh, I was, I was working like every day at this power plant, in Maryland. And I was like, I'm taking tomorrow off. I don't give a shit. And uh, so I Googled the nearest drop zones. It was a tie between orange Skydive Orange, which I've spent a lot of time at, sure. and Cross Keys, uh, and I just I went there and like I've never looked back, man. Pico and Nadia, the new owners of that drop zone, like they do everything they can to make their front jumpers happy. Well, and I've heard um, they've done an amazing job. I've not been back since I left in 06. Um, and it it went through this amazing time when I was there. I kind of got the last couple of holy shit years, uh, and there were one or two more to follow. But it was that uh, joy and tragedy mix because we, for every good thing we had, we had something bad. Like we had a number of fatalities throughout the years that I was there, and some pretty gnarly situations. Uh, and I know it went downhill after I left. So it's so amazing for me to hear that it's come back and people are super stoked to be there and having a oh, good yeah. time again. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, that drop zone's killing it. Pico and Nadia has done such a good job at uh, running that drop zone, man. Like, hey, they still got they got a, the, one of the fastest jump planes I've ever jumped out of there. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, old well, Texas turbine. Uh, it's carriage. the it's the turbine caravan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, it's yes. it's uh, it was such a fun drop zone, and not to mention it's just a cool chunk of airspace to be flying in because you got the Philly approach corridor, so there's jets everywhere. Which oh yeah, I always thought was hilarious. I mean, I was I was actually close enough to a seven five doing a tandem once that I could read the tail numbers of the damn thing. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. So oh. there's well, did you ever see the video of Rob Stanley? Uh, yes, I have seen the video of Rob Stanley where it cut, like comes by and like he's like, did you just see that Yeah, shit? man. Yeah, I actually submitted that video. Uh, have you seen the, the Facebook group, the Aussie Man Reviews? I have not. I should check those. Yeah, so there's this Aussie Man Reviews. It's just this great guy, uh, Australian guy that uh, does voiceovers for all this different shit. And he has one um, recurring uh, one that's called Destination Fucked. And I, I sent in that video, and he picked it and did a voiceover for it and everything. Oh, it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> Dude, that's yeah. a killer video. Oh, yeah. No, it's fantastic. I mean, holy shit. Because uh, you, you would talk to Stanley, um, and he would say he'd tell you that they felt the heat off the jet. Because if you watch the video, it's two seconds to dead level. That jet flies directly nope. under them, and on a two count, it's dead level with them. 
<laughs> I know, dude. It that is probably one of the most intense skydiving videos I've ever seen in my yeah, life. Yeah. The other really like, funny story that would have been a serious tragedy. Oh yeah. Well, the other really funny story that I heard out of Cross Keys, and I don't know if this one's true or not, but the joke or the the story was that uh, uh, somebody actually called uh, Manifest at the drop zone, and it was a pilot that knew the operation and uh, called to tell them to tell the guy in the yellow jumpsuit that his sit fly looked good. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't know if that's true or not, but that sounds amazing. That's a great story, right? <laughs> I want to be the guy in the yellow jumpsuit. Right. Yep. I know it. I know it. Well, and it was so cool back then because we were jumping the helicopter and doing all these crazy things and just having a really good time with it. And so I'm I'm always happy to hear that uh, Cross Keys is up and running happy again. And, of course, you, you hop on Facebook and, and you still see Range out there cranking him out and Pancakes doing yeah, the gig and – yeah, you know, pancake is still my rigor to this day. I'm not there anymore, you know, uh, much these days, but I still send my shit to to pancake. Oh, he's That's awesome. He's awesome. Yeah. I had uh, he was the the um the staff manager when I got there. He was the chief instructor and I think it was probably the second or third day I was there and they were having a party at the tiki bar. Uh, and I knew I knew nobody and I had no idea what was going on. And I walk out and Pancake late in the night was hanging from the rafters upside down in the tiki bar in his underwear. And <laughs> I'm just looking at him going, that's my fucking boss. <laughs> that's my dude right there. Yeah, it's man. funny because like nowadays, like Pancake's a lot more mature. And like, obviously, he's, uh, he's, he's older now. So it's like I've never known Pancake as that guy. All right. <laughs> Oh, well, it's funny because that guy, that version of Pancake didn't come out very often, but holy shit when it did. Oh, my God. I think it was yeah, just it, Cross Keys Cross, back then. Yeah. Cross Keys used to be my – that's like my second favorite. It used to be my favorite drop zone, but ever since I found Cleveland Skydiving Center, man. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> this little drop zone has so much potential, and it's ran by like, oh, my God, she's the best DZO I've ever seen. And who is this? Uh, Marcy Ann. Marcy Ann. I don't know if you ever heard of Marcy Smith. Marcy and Logan. Hmm. No. Not. I, I mean, we may have crossed paths uh, across the way, but give them a good plug. Let tell everybody all about it. Yeah. God. I'm. I actually. Uh, I found this place when COVID hit. So I was working a. Um, I was working a job in Toledo, just an oil refinery, for like two months. And uh, once that job was over with, I had nowhere to go because all the state lines were closed and shit. So uh, I ended up moving to. Uh, Eastern Ohio on my buddy's farm that I happened to meet on that job. So he's just some old timer who said, you can come live on my farm until shit boils over. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> So I, uh, I ended up moving to that farm and living in a camper that was parked on his, on his property. And I ended up just buying that camper from him because I needed a place to live. Mm. So uh, I needed a reserve repack. I was actually on my way to Utah to go get a, uh, uh, to go start speed flying, you know, get my P2. Like, I have nothing but time now, and there's nothing going on. So sure. I was just going to get a reserve repack and leave. So when I Googled the nearest drop zone, it was Cleveland. And Marcy answered the phone. It was like, I'll just come to your house and pick up your rig, and then you can come get it when it's done. So she showed up the next day, came and picked up my rig. She, I think she was just feeling me out to see what kind of a person I was, right? And uh like a couple of days later, I show up at this drop zone and I end up hanging out with some beer and pizza that night to go get my rig. And they just started feeding this unlimited jump package down my throat. And uh, I was like, you know, maybe, I, maybe I'll sit here and do a couple of jumps when the season opens up and I might stick around. And sure. I, I ended up doing a couple of jumps and right away I bought that uh, that unlimited jump package. Awesome. <laughs> And I moved my trailer there, and I have I've been stuck there for five months. Like I try to find a good reason to leave, and I can't find a good reason to leave. See, but that's <laughs> awesome though, especially with a package like that. I mean, uh, one of the old drop zones that I worked at, Chicagoland Skydiving, had that package as well. And people yeah. weren't just coming from around the country; people were coming from around the world to buy yeah. that package. You know, because they were you know trying to get a thousand jumps in the season or five hundred jumps in the season. Uh, and holy shit, what a great way to do it! You just manifest and get on the plane yeah this is uh you know this is like ohio's best kept secret like uh, marcy this is our first year with uh, this has always been like a cessna 206 drop zone right mm. and it's the venue's amazing it's a re, it's a huge landing area like so much potential but it's always been a cessna drop zone so marcy took over just a couple of years ago this is her first year with a turbine she got a kodiak nice. uh, quest and um, for her first year, and she has been killing it this year so hard, man. She cares about her fun jumpers so much. 
that, uh, you know, she does everything she can to accommodate me, you know. And, well, hell, she came and picked up your rig for you. <laughs> That's the kind of person she is, and she'll do that for any jumper at her drop zone. That's you know? some some pimp ass concierge shit right there. That's, that's <laughs> right, awesome man, dude. I know she's amazing, man. So she she ended up taking me in, and uh, like I just now I, I care about the drop zone, like it's like my my house, you know. Nice. So like I I've been flying video for her a bunch, and you know like I just I've been having such a good time, and the the, the fun jumpers that are there, like their core group of jumpers, that's just. I mean, it it feels like a giant drop zone, but it's like a real like good, you know, like SNE kind of vibe, sure, you know, skydiving sure. England kind of vibe. It's it's just really down to earth. They got big bonfires every night. See, that's it's the a, thing, right? I mean, uh, that's the one drawback to some of the the bigger drop zones is that that doesn't seem to happen as much as it does with the smaller tight knit drop zones. Yeah, you know, yeah, it I mean, doesn't. Happen more you know like z hills isn't even necessarily like that anymore <laughs> yeah i i mean i i guess there's part of it that when it crosses over into you know a hardcore business especially with some of those big airports you know they're really limited with what they can do what they can do yeah exactly you know and that's the that's what a lot of drop zones face these days you know what's good about cleveland is uh it's a it's privately owned by uh bob gates and uh marcy runs the drop zone off of the property you know but uh, it's in the middle of Amish country. There is nothing around. And uh, what's really cool about that is, like, on the weekends, you'll have, like, hundreds of Amish people riding their horse and buggies to the drop zone to watch us skydive all day. Oh, no shit. <laughs> I'm not even joking, dude. There would be, like, I mean, like, we should have bleachers for these guys. There's so many of them. Oh, and, uh, no. Yeah, they just crowd all around the drop. They just, they just sit and set up picnics, and they cook little – they cook their food, you know. That's kind of, that would be so strange. Cause it's crazy. Like imagine like a whole load of naked people landing in front of these Amish people. They're just like they love us to death, man. Well, they do have to because you guys are absolutely everything they can't or won't do. <laughs> right. And which is cool. There's a fun jumper on this drop zone. His name's Mo Troyer. And he grew up Amish on that drop zone watching Aaron Stokem swoop the shit out of this drop zone. And uh, – he quickly converted – he like he stopped being an Amish person to you know just become an American and like live with technology. And now he's like uh, – he's a badass skydiver, man. What, a, what, a, a, what do they call it when uh, when the Amish let him loose? Is that rumspringa? Rumspringa. That's what it's called. Yeah. So when they just let him go loose, all right, go out into the world and take every drug <laughs> you can think of and fuck everything that walks. And then if you come back, Dude. you're ours. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. That's what they do, right? So they actually, you'll have rum springers come to our bonfires in the middle of the night. Oh. And, uh, and just show up. And it's like, who the hell are these people? You know what I mean? But they're just Amish people trying to party all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be so bizarre. Oh. Dude, it's so bizarre. I, like, it's, I'm telling you, like, this drop zone is so badass, dude. Oh. It's like, if you, if you haven't seen it, like, you'll see it there, you know? Awesome. And now, do you know the website offhand for the drop zone? Let's get them some PR. Yeah, it's uh, cleskydiving.com. All right. All right. Awesome. I mean, this sounds like something people definitely have got to check out. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, you know, this is definitely something that people should check out, man. Nice. It is such amazing place nice. and actually i think i got i got that wrong i believe it's uh oh it's skydivecle.com yep that's what it is all right skydivecle.com awesome i'm gonna have to pull that up i gotta see this yeah, they gotta so i just found i just found out yesterday that we have a, a, a our own farmer mcnasty actually oh really well not yesterday but this weekend so the first very first skydive of this boogie i get raymond adams is on the jump it's a kick-ass freaking jump and uh, I ended up having a, bra a broken line on my Airwolf 84. Oof. And uh, I, I, it was just unlandable. Like, I, you know, I didn't want to die. So I chopped it. And uh, it landed, like, literally, like, right across the street from the drop zone. Like, like you could see it from the parking lot. Right. And this, this lady just came out screaming and yelling at us and would not allow us. I had to get the sheriffs involved. And uh, I was dealing with the sheriffs and trying to recover that canopy for like six hours. Oh, that's such a shame when shit like that happens. Yeah, it was terrible, man. Like she was like she came out like a wild swamp pig, man. She was <laughs> such a bitch. <laughs> now, <laughs> and, like, does she have uh, ongoing problems with the drop zone or was this just a one off? 
I believe, so she had a problem with the same similar thing happening happening at I, I suppose it was last year, right? So she's only lived there for two years. This trap zone's been there. Like there has been skydive operations out of there since like it's one of the oldest trap zones in the country, apparently. And uh but she just moved in about two years ago. So I, I think she had a similar issue last year, but I didn't know about it. Mm. You know. And uh this year was just one off. Like we haven't bugged her at all, you know, we're very respectful and we were respectful coming up to her. She just literally would not hear a single word I had to say. Oh, oh man, that's that's a shame. I mean, for Christ's sakes. That's that's what, you'd rather I just rode this piece of shit down and, and got myself killed instead of it accidentally right. landed on your property? Come and, on. Dude, I know. And even the cop, like, you know, you know how like the people you know, if you don't skydive, you don't really know. But the right. cop was like, Well, did you do it on purpose? I'm like <laughs> Yeah, the last thing I wanted to do was lose my three thousand dollar parachute across the, across the street. Exactly. Yes, I intentionally threw my parachute on her property from three thousand feet. <laughs> Fucking people! Oh yeah. man, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Now, when it I pull actually up, almost got the boogie shut down. She called the health department on us. Uh, the cops showed up, and like, like they almost got this boogie shut down because of me, man. I was not happy about it. Like we had to like. Like there were tents and campers everywhere for this event, right? And uh, the health department came up and did not like it. And like by ten o'clock, we had to have all the trailers out of there. So we just started hiding trailers down the runway. We were hiding trailers in the woods and uh, pulling out. And then like after they left, we just came right back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh well, hey, I mean, come on, you got to do what you got to do. But it's such strange times. I mean, because normally there'd be not much for her to do. But with all this COVID shit, it's pretty easy to just go, hey, these people are doing stuff. Uh, Oh, yeah. They're having fun. Get them. Get them. That's a shame. Well, I mean, it's it's some weird times. People are are all on edge with everything going on. I know. Everybody's on edge right now. You know, I I get it. I understand. Like, for me, 2020 hasn't been that bad. But I I understand for some people – you know, 2020 has been a really shitty year for yeah, him. So yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I try to have empathy for that, you know. For sure. So now when I pull up this website, am I going to see um, pictures of Amish people getting swooped? Because if not. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. But uh, I'm sure you could definitely see some video of Amish people getting swooped for sure. <laughs> they, they need to have a whole section on their website dedicated to the Amish. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. If you go to that website, you'll see you'll see the dude with the mullet on there, and that's like <laughs> that's the uh, drop zone owner's boyfriend. Actually, he manages the place. Awesome. That's awesome. So <laughs> now you're you're uh, doing the canopy stuff, and you said you do free fly coaching as well. Now how'd that? Yeah. Get, you know. How'd that, that? How'd that get started? So honestly, like I've never been that good until I started in the tunnel. Once I got in the tunnel, I became a ton- like a tunnel rat, right? I got addicted very quickly. And it's not that I have like – I'm not like a – you know, you can definitely pay a coach to get you better coaching than me. But I got, I got but you know, a little over 70, 80 hours in the tunnel. And hmm. uh, I, I, I tend to target – my target focus is like more entry-level SIP flyers and head-down sure. flyers, you know. So I um, – I got into that just by going to drop zones and just going on a load and coaching people. Like I've never asked for money or for anybody to cover my slot, especially with this unlimited jump package. I've gotten a lot of the kids there on their feet, you know, and it's that's just, awesome. it's nothing to me to just go on their jump. And well, uh, that's kind of paying it forward. Right. I mean, uh, at the end yeah. of the day, we want more badass skydivers. That's what I want, man. I want to be able to shred with my friends, you know. I don't want them to have to spend $35 plus a slot for 40 seconds of maybe coaching, yeah. you know. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, well, in my in my mindset – oh, what's that? No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, my mindset is just I fly in the tunnel for myself and I skydive to have fun. Like, it, I don't give a shit how the skydive goes. Why, you know, because everyone's always, you know, when they jump with a more experienced person, they're just like, I don't want to mess the jump up, you know, and, and I hate that people have to have that mindset. Like, sure. they, like I, I don't want you to feel like you're going to mess this jump up because you're not good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, and that was always one of the things I used, used to have fun with is I didn't really become a fun jumper until after I'd stopped working in the sport because I worked in it for so damn long. And I always thought it was hilarious to walk up to a group that would, hey, come with us because they know I've got 11, 12,000 jumps and I'd be the one in the dirt dive going, I'm most likely going to be the one that's going to fuck this 
skydive up. <laughs> Just so everybody knows, if there's not a drogue or wings under my arms, chances are I'm not your guy. So let's go have some well, fun. I'm not your guy. Yeah. <laughs> so much fun, though. Again, it takes all the pressure off, and I just get to go out and screw around and have fun. And obviously, I want to do good, but I'm never worried about whether or not I'm going to screw up the skydive because I put that out there at the beginning. Goes, <laughs> I might have this many jumps, but I've got less fun jumps than most B-licensed skydivers. <laughs> <laughs> right. You hear that from a lot of tandem instructors. Like, yeah, I got 5,000 jumps, but you have more... You actually have more fun jumps than I have. Oh, yeah. It's crazy to hear that. Oh, dude, I've I've probably got, I don't know, between eleven and 12,000 jumps, and I've probably got less than, I don't know, less than 800 fun jumps. Really? Yeah, they were all work jumps, you know? I mean, and it well, see, and that's kind of where it's a little bit misleading to say that because I loved being a tandem instructor. They're all fun. Yeah. I had a blast yeah. being a tandem instructor. I loved being a camera flyer because it was super challenging. So I loved everything that I did. And I was lucky that I was one of those tandem instructors that didn't get burned out in that way. Um, yeah. You know, I didn't get burned out because I didn't like the jumping anymore. I got burned out because I didn't like the politics, maybe, or I beat the shit out of myself, you know? I mean, after too many tandems, you start getting a little sore. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, but but otherwise, you know, it's it's uh, um, it was always a blast. So I say I only have that many fun jumps, but they were all fun. They were all fun, yeah. And especially, I mean, like, especially with the video jumps, you know, like I even consider my video jumps fun. You know, I don't have a a ton of them. I just started getting really heavy into free uh, video flying over the last year or so. But like, I think when I get to fly my own parachute, I'm having a shitload of fun. So <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, and I love I love filming tandems, man. I love sharing that experience with people, you know. It's uh I just enjoy on their face with their bucket list day or whatever, you know, like they just they're having so much fun and you kind of live for, like vicariously through them. Well, you feed off yeah. of that energy. You just get you feed to them. Absolutely. I mean, after a so day, tasty. Oh yeah, man. After a good day of doing tandems and you're watching these people just having the in the most intense experience of their lives and you can't help but pat yourself on the back and go, "Fuck, I did that." That's right. You know, I gave them and yeah, maybe somebody else could have, but they didn't. I did. And it just becomes this, this really really cool thing and most of them will never remember my name. Most of them wouldn't remember what I look like to save their lives, but every one of them remembers their skydive. Oh, that's right, man. Yeah. And they might, they'll just remember. Sometimes they just remember that they only skydive. They can't really recall what happened on the skydive. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> it. That's it. But it's just it's so intense. Yeah, even if it was the most overloading experience. Yeah, there was this time I jumped out of an airplane, but I don't fucking remember any of it because it was so intense. Well, <laughs> I still got to do that. So, yeah. yeah, it's kind of like you kind of remember like the first time you were able to just jump out and watch other groups jump out of the plane after you, right? Like that spatial awareness that oh, takes yeah. ever to get. Oh, I'll, I'll never forget that. I mean, you've got the iconic jumps, your first jump, the first time you jump solo, the first time you jump your own pack job. You know, you remember all of those. But yep. I, I mean, I vividly remember the first time I was out there by myself. No instructor, no nothing, just doing slow circles going, holy shit. Yeah, dude. You know, and I, I, that I, that I, never really wore off. I had that holy shit attitude the entire time I was jumping, and I still jump, but and I still get that. I'm like, I can't believe people let me do this. Same, dude. Like I'm, you know, like I don't have, I don't have like work jumps necessarily. I got, but I got 1,300 fun jumps, you know, yeah. and it's like I still have so much fucking fun, dude. Like this shit, like it's better than working. <laughs> Damn right. Like, not a job. Damn right. It might be hard, but it's a, a labor of love for sure. It's a labor of love, man. I love skydiving so much. So now for, for the low-time jumpers that uh, are looking for a little bit of fun and coaching and they're in your area, how do they find you uh, so they can reach out and say, hey, how can I come out and play? Yeah, they can always hit me up on Facebook, really. That's like my main channel of communication. If they just want to look up William Joseph Lux on Facebook, they'll be able to find my goofy mug on there. Awesome. Uh, I'm always welcome to new faces. I don't care who you are. Just hit me up. (laughs) Awesome. Now, one more time, give us the drop zone so uh, uh, they can check it out. Yep, yep. Uh, It's uh, Cleveland Skydiving Center. If you uh, need the website, definitely uh, skydivecle.com. Skydivecle at Cleveland Skydiving Center. Man, William, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and talk to me. I know you're you're doing all kinds of shit and jumping and working, and I'm always happy to sit down and talk to happy skydivers that are enjoying themselves. Yeah, always anytime, man. Hit me up anytime. (laughs) Take care, William. 
Hey, you too, dude. Thanks for talking. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Skydiving with the fucking Amish. That is awesome. At any rate, this was another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, brought to you by the greatest magazine in the known universe, Blue Skies Mag. Head to blueskiesmag.com to subscribe to the magazine. Check out the new shit that's coming their way. Uh, get your photos in. Get your article ideas in. They want to hear from you. Also, for advertising, they're where you want to go if you want to reach out to the skydiving community. Uh, also, pussfoot.com. If you don't know what it is, you're going to want to know. It's an awesome collective of a bunch of extreme sports enthusiasts from every walk of extreme sports, uh, giving you a bunch of really cool, insightful information. So check out pussfoot.com. For me, I am the fucking pilot. As always, you can find me on the fuckingpilot.net where you can get both the books that I've written, the Blue Skies book and the Accidental Stripper, both available in print and digital and coming up in audio. Thanks again. We'll talk to you soon.